Tyron Matthew here. A lot has changed since we brought the championship home to KC. How we binge watch, birthday celebrations, even team meetings. Some change is good, some not so good. Like when your internet bill goes up. Times are tough, and that's why I teamed up with Consolidated Communications to tell you about that internet price lock that you can count on for two years. So now you don't have to worry about your internet bill going up because some things should never change. Visit consolidated.com slash two-year lock for details. Service not available in all areas. Terms and conditions apply. to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. Red letter basics. Not filtered down, not watered down. We follow what the the Lord says in the Word and what the Word says by the Lord. And we follow the example of the book of Acts Church. We believe that the way they served the Lord was the model that we should have been following and haven't. And by digging deeper into Scripture and seeing how they did things, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man-made tradition created. If you're looking for religion, you're in the wrong place. The porch is about restoring the priesthood of the believer, about building a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. And lost along the way. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost has not ended. The fire still falls from heaven. Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. On solomonsporch.org is that website. Or if you have questions and you need to contact us, you can go there or go to firefalltalkradio.com. And you can support us at the bottom of the page of the PayPal link. If that doesn't work for you, maybe you want to use the Venmo app. Just look up at Firefall Media Group, all one word, capital F-I-R-E-F-A-L-L, media, M-E-D-I-A-G-R-O-U-P. It's easier, more user-friendly, less fees. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site here on Firefall Talk Radio, the only place that you can hear us live. We are archived here as well as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcast and Google Podcast. So welcome to all our listeners. Welcome to all of you that support us. We thank you. As I mentioned, Overwatch is going through some changes. We're trying to find the show that the Lord wants. It does, although I think it's some of the best investigative work I've done. It doesn't seem like that's what people want. And while the Reflections in the Dark format worked, I'm not sure we'll go back to that. I think we may tweak SRT Overwatch to a little bit more of that flavor. We'll see. Praying about it. Talking to my former co-host to see if he wants to get back in the game. Until then, I'm listening to archived episodes of classic Reflections in the Dark over the nine-year history, and I will be posting those. Would like your input. If you'd like to tell us what you'd like, uh, what you'd like to hear, go to supernaturalresponse.net 
or our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash supernatural response team or Firefall Talk Radio. Either one. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want. Some input would be great. Uh, Feast of Trumpets, September 19th. Looking forward to that. Day of Atonement, September 28th. We acknowledge it, but our atonement happened on Calvary. And then I'm really looking forward to the Feast of Tabernacles this year, October 3rd through 9th. Still going to do the praise reports and the prayer request. I got little to no input. A handful of people wrote me. Um, For now, I'm just going to leave it as it is. In the near future, I'm believing that I won't have time to do live Bible studies, so I will have to pre-record them at that time. Then we'll have to change how we do the praise reports and the prayer request. Um, I have a friend of mine, a new friend from Maryland. I've been praying with a group of Kingdom of God-minded business people from all over the United States and all over the world. And a, a new friend of mine, his name is Giuseppe. Yes, he's Italian. He's a fellow Sicilian. I would call him a paisan. Uh, He lives in Maryland. He's originally from Sicily. He needs prayer for healing and restoration. He's going through some stuff. I don't need to list it, but he needs some serious targeted prayer for healing in his body and restoration in his life. He's got a calling. He's got a powerful calling on him, and he's really needed in the kingdom. Woody in Central Florida this past Sunday asked for prayer. His wife's co-worker had tested positive for COVID-19. She got tested but is still awaiting the results. He started feeling a little feverish. Um, He let me know about it, prayed about it, and he said he started feeling better on Saturday. No fever, no cough. Not sure what it is, but the wife's test results have been pushed back seven to eight days because of a backlog. Because, folks, if you're not really paying attention, I know this is Overwatch-type stuff. Just take the time to read before you panic. Um, He said he and the wife and the kids are fine, so seem fine, so praise God. Stacy in Texas asked for prayer for her husband, Neil, who has a job interview at the middle school where she works, but they just reassigned the principal and who's, who's no longer doing the hiring, which means any favor or connection they had just left, so... If it's meant to be for Neil to have that job, uh, pray that it's that's what the Lord wants. Kim in Fort Mitchell got in under the wire. She was actually late, but I happened to check anyway, so you're forgiven, Kim. Um, she's had some things happen this week. She said the enemy's taking things to a new level. To make a story short, a group of young people in four cars rolled up at our house two nights ago trying to hurt her son. Some misunderstanding on social media. She said she was not ready for it, but she will be next time. She said, I never thought something like that would ever happen to me. It was traumatizing trying to protect my family. The enemy has his puppets everywhere, everywhere I can sense the spirit of lawlessness. Arrests were made and a loaded firearm with a large amount of ammo was found in one of the cars, according to the police. I feel so grateful that my Father in Heaven kept us safe. He spoke to me in the midst of all this not to open the door no matter what. I praise him. I praise his name. Thank you for everything you do, the seen and the unseen, day and night. So as I'm praying for the porch community, prayers of protection and wisdom, please continue to provide for us. Keep us safe. I pray for compassion, for strength and endurance, praying for her friends Stacy and her family. Um, make this legal matter go away, Father, in Jesus' name. says, I love you, Father, and she signed it, your daughter. Folks, we live in, we live in a time 
with the spirit of lawlessness, which we talk about every week here on the porch, is out and about. It's been fed. It's been empowered. The church, for the most part, in my opinion, has abdicated its position of authority, though there are some of us called the remnant that do rise up and do push back. But it's going to get darker, and we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. It just happens to coincide. First of all, I praise the Lord for my home, for my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandsons, pets, and possessions, for his protection over all of us, for his ministry, for the dreams and the vision. I praise him for his healing virtues, that we're able to praise him. Even in the midst of everything that's going on, we can praise him. I praise him for favor and revelation that we're new creations. I'm a new creation, living in prophetic times. Praise him for America and for the signs that he's getting ready to return. I believe that. I can't put a date on it, but I do believe he's on his way back. So let's get ready. Praying for the Middle East, Israel, peace of Jerusalem. If you're not watching, a lot going on in the Middle East, a lot of little international fires being created as nation rises up against nation. Some players that fulfill prophecy are starting to square off, and it's not even involving Israel just yet. So in accordance with Psalm 122, verse 6, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper love you. Praying for America and its leaders at this time, that they would get on their knees, get on their faces before God, seek his wisdom, seek his ways. We're going through times of tribulation and testing, and unfortunately we deserve it. We are where we are by our own choice, but we can repent, and I'm praying that those in positions of leadership will. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the slaughter of the innocents, the missing and exploited children, such an ugly, satanic thing. Thankfully, under this current president, more people have been arrested in that regard than the previous three presidencies, which clearly tells me people were looking the other way. But we need to pray for them, the young women, the young children, boys, girls. It doesn't matter. They're being taken and they're being victimized. For our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, religious persecution, anti-Semitism, the ugliness of this spirit is making itself known. The spirit of the Antichrist is bolder and bolder because it has no fear. Well, we know how it ends. We know who wins. Praying for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. I know I've taught this, but did you know every fourth day your cells die, a cell dies, and a new cell is put in its place in kind of an assembly line thing. So every four days a new cell is put into place. I pray that on that fourth day the cell that's replaced is replaced with a cell that goes back to the original divine design, not the one corrupted by my ancestry or by my choices. Start praying for your body to go back to its divine design on a cellular level. Praying for healing for my wife, Deb, and everything she's gone through over these years, that God would restore her and bless her. If you're sick right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, be healed. Let whatever it is in your body that doesn't line up with the word and the will of God be healed. Praying for protection over each and every one of us, that Psalm 91 covering. Inspiration. We need to be inspired. Sometimes it takes the fire of the Holy Spirit to keep you going. For the remnant to wake up, to rise up, and answer the call to action. Can't you hear there's a war going on out there? 
And if you know people that have been blessed, tell them to be a blessing. Tell them where to find it. Tell them where to find me and SRT and the porch and Firefall. We're looking for God to connect the dots between us and those that have been blessed. Praying that you get blessed. And that God shows off by blessing you in your life. That every dream and vision that he's given you that lines up with his will and his word be fulfilled. We're praying for the doors to open to finish this documentary however we need to with the current travel restrictions. We're figuring it out, but we're going to get it done. And that we're going to finish everything that we plan to do to expose the enemy, to shine the light into the shadows, expose the darkness, and to inspire others to join us in our battle. Let's prosper in accordance with this word. Let's the open conduit of blessings for all the dreams, all the visions, all the missions be fulfilled. We're going to be mobile. Once we're cleared, we're getting mobile. We're taking the show on the road and we're taking the fight to the enemy. Continue to pray for divine favor in the conclusion of legal matters that just seem to drag on. This shutdown hasn't helped us, but the adversity we go through just glorifies him. And we're believing for a testimony of praise to come out of it. And of course, most importantly of all, we pray for our lost family members. To get saved, we call him out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the light of the Son of his love. Father, 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 Abba, we petition you, we call out to you, we cry out to you, Abba, Father. First of all, we love you, your daddy, and we love that you love us, even when we were unlovable, even when we felt dirty and lonely and ugly, you loved us. You scooped us up. You used the blood of your son to wash us clean because you wanted to be reconciled to us. So thank you. Thank you for that. We're so glad to know you as Father. Wish it didn't have to be the way it was that you had to send Yeshua to die the way he did to pay for our sins, but Lord, we thank you. We acknowledge you. We exalt your name, the name above all names, the only name in heaven by which we can be saved. So we thank you for what you did for us. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the blessings and the provisions and the healings and the restorations. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and the fire and the teaching and the companionship and the encouragement he's brought to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you have your way tonight. Have your way in the study. Have your way with each and every listener. Open their eyes. Open their ears. Open their hearts. Let them hear the word in ways they've never heard it before. Let them see it become three-dimensional as they look at it. Begin to change their lives in ways that further the kingdom and glorify the Father. So we ask you right now, Lord, we ask you to do all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.
lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still talking about the kingdom. Tonight we're talking about the kingdom life living in a fallen world. And how this came about is I was reminded of a scripture in Jeremiah. I think it was on Monday. And I couldn't get it out of my head. I began to pray about it. And I began to think, you know what? I think this is what I'm supposed to teach on tonight. And I want to share it with you. But I want to set it up. Jeremiah, one of my favorite prophets. I've read the book many times. Hebrew prophet, a reformer, political reformer, an author of the biblical book which bears his name. Actually, it was finished, um, the writing was finished by Baruch after Jeremiah passed, but it's all him. He was closely involved in the political and religious events of the, one of the crucial eras in the history of Israel. His spiritual leadership helped his fellow countrymen survive disasters that included the capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., Uh, the exile of Judeans to Babylon. This critical period saw the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple because his warnings and prophecies fell on deaf ears. When the catastrophes came, he lamented the, the fate of his people in the book of Lamentations. That's who wrote that book, the prophet Jeremiah. That book is read by the Jews on Tish Ba'av, the 9th of Av, July or August this year. It was July uh, 29th in 2021. It will be July 17th. It's a day of fasting and mourning because it commemorates the destruction of the first and second temples. Not only that, on that particular day, which clearly is a prophetic message, you have the destruction of Jerusalem. You have the destruction of both temples, same date, different times, of course. Um, the Jews were ex- expulsed from Spain in 1492 on that date, and then from England in 1290. That date seems to be a date that they are punished for not listening to the prophets. But he was also a source of inspiration. He pointed out to them the path that would lead them to their redemption, and the prophecies are recorded in the book of Jeremiah, which also contains important events in his life. Jeremiah was born into a priestly family. He began his prophetic career in 627-626 B.C., the 13th year of the King Josiah's reign, which was 3298 Jewish calendar. And if you look at Jeremiah 1, verses 5 through 8, he's been called by God to be a prophet to the nations. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Well, I can tell you when he says to speak whatever I tell you to speak, and don't be afraid, you can figure out they're not going to like what they hear. 
He prophesied for 40 years until the destruction of the temple and for a short time after. So the scripture I I read this week is Jeremiah 12. So turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 12. And during this time in history, Jeremiah is living in a time of evil and perversion and wickedness. And he's frustrated by what he sees. And he wants to know why God is allowing it. And as I read this and worked on it, I thought, boy, does this relate to how I feel sometimes. So we're going to start with verse 1 through verse 4. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? You have planted them, and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and test my thoughts. Drag these people away like sheep to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? Even the grass in the field has withered. The wild animals and birds have disappeared because of the evil in the land. For the people have said, the Lord doesn't see what's ahead for us. Basically, Jeremiah is wondering why a just God doesn't immediately punish the wicked. He couldn't stand to continue their wickedness. He was grieved for the terrible human suffering that he was seeing. And he asked a valid question that I've asked. Why do the wicked prosper? He was perplexed by the problem. As many are who are under the impression that God rules the earth and that everything comes or everything happens from him. Well, there's a simple answer as to why the wicked prosper. And it has nothing to do with God, at least not our God, our Father. There's another God with the small g, the God of this world, Hasatan, Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, Second Corinthians four four, whose minds, <clears throat> excuse me, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Folks, when you see the evil prosper, it's not coming from God. When you see people whose lives are out of order, it's not coming from God. It doesn't matter if they have a title before their name or after their name or what they claim they are. God does not honor sin. He does not honor foolishness. But there is another lesser God that does. So when I look at these people, the billionaires, the millionaires, trillionaires, whatever, who are debased, disgusting, satanic people, I know where their money's coming from. But I also know that the sun and the rain shines on both of us alike. I know that there's a system in place that we've been made alive by him. We were dead in our trespasses and sin in which we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted our lives, ourselves in the lust of the flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath as the others. It, the Bible's really clear. There's two sets of people in this world. There's two sources of blessing in this world. Satan helps the wicked to prosper. Why? Because he wants them to keep following him and doing what they're doing. The minute they come to their senses and repent and no longer want to do it, he punishes them. He takes everything from them. He destroys their life and removes whatever favor that they had. And he goes out of his way in his kingdom, not just him, all that are working with him, to hinder the righteous. But I believe that if we learn to seek him and get help from him in our finances, in our business, in everything that we do, we will prosper. But we can't stumble over the fact that the wicked do prosper in in what they're getting. Satan funds his kingdom. He funds his sin. He funds his debauchery. You can see it when you see it on the news, what companies pay for what. They have no fear of a living God. But here's how we should be praying. We should be praying to prosper in the kingdom of God more than all the wicked do in a fallen world. But here's the problem. People will pray that prosperity will come And then they'll forget that it's not their money. It's his money for his kingdom. And while those people get to benefit in the crumbs that fall off the table, primarily they're supposed to be funneling it into the kingdom. But I can't tell you how many successful believers I've met who forgot that. Who didn't do what they were told to do who thought about their money in worldly ways. Jeremiah, I'm sure, in a lesser sense, he lived in a different time, things were funded differently. He wants to know why the wicked are prospering when he's been obedient to God. And he's struggling with the attacks on his life and the interference in his life and his ministry. He does not doubt the ultimate judgment and the punishment of the wicked, but he wants immediate actions to deal with his enemies. Been there, done that. I know how that feels. Being obedient, you don't understand. Why am I being threatened? Well, you're being threatened because you're obedient. The enemy knows that you're obedient. The enemy knows that you will not relent and you will not stop. Well, why? Okay, but why are they so happy? Why are they prosperous? Well, Jeremiah 9, 23 had already answered that question. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. We're all human. Jeremiah, though a prophet, was human, and he was upset that the Lord was allowing evil people to become established, to enjoy their prosperity and happiness, so he brought his case before the Lord. It says, I bring my case before you, I plead before you, which means he's come into the courts to contend legally with God, who is a righteous judge, and must be approached accordingly. I can tell you in moments 
pleading my case before the Lord, he's had to caution me on what was about to come out of my mouth because he already knew what was in my head. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. And though he is our Abba, he is our Lord, and we love him, and he loves us, he's holy. But we can plead our case with him. And some may think Jeremiah is a bit self-righteous, but you know what? He's been submissive to the Lord's personal searching of his heart. And he's righteously angry enough about what's going on that he's seeking recompense. He's seeking retribution. But the fact is, he wants them to be butchered or slaughtered like helpless sheep. And that's just not how God does things. Though he did it at times in the Old Testament, I don't see any mention of that in the New Testament. Forgive the sound of my voice with all the rain that's going on. My sinuses and allergies are going crazy. Jeremiah didn't want them to be forgiven. He wanted them to be judged just like Jonah did. Jonah felt the same way. He didn't want to go to Nineveh to preach forgiveness and and reconciliation. He wanted them to be judged. How many times have you looked at somebody, famous, not famous, somebody you knew, and cried out for God to destroy them, to judge them? I've had to temper that prayer. Oh, I still pray it. But you know what I pray first? Lord, if they're like me and can be saved, I pray that they'd be saved. I pray for their salvation. I pray for you to redeem them and send somebody to them like you did me and rescue them from their darkness. But if they are reprobate and have no opportunity for salvation and reconciliation, then I ask that you deal with them in accordance with your word. I don't tell them what to do. I put it back on him. And I make sure that it lines up with the word. The Jews of Jeremiah's day, they were particularly disturbed because they believed in earthly rewards and earthly punishments. So what's the solution to this dilemma that we've all been in at some point? It's called faith. Let me read you the Amplified of Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now faith. Talked about this at the Sea Conference. Now faith is. Now faith means you have faith in the Lord now. You believe that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you can think or imagine. That's now faith. You have now faith because you walk by faith and not by sight. See, this is not about what faith is. This is about what faith does. The other thing we have to do is we have to acknowledge That material wealth is not necessarily genuine prosperity. 
Let me say that again. We have to face the fact that material wealth is not necessarily genuine prosperity. I've been around extremely wealthy people. I've been a bodyguard or done security for them. Most of them can't reach into their pocket and grab some cash because everything's on credit and they're leveraged out. Somebody else controls their money. I don't think I met too many that were really happy. Male, female. And thinking about all the people I guarded during those times, some of them really, really wealthy people. Most of them seem very lonely, very spoiled. Not people I would choose to hang out with. I've even heard stories about Christians that are wealthy from friends of mine that have been around them. You know, I don't want to be that wealthy. But I want to be wealthy enough through the kingdom to fund everything he's shown us, to to set the captives free, to destroy the works of the enemy. I want to be a conduit of that kind of blessing. I want to be like the men and women we've talked about in the past. Maybe I should do another show about that. The men and women who were blessed And instead of giving 10%, they kept 10% and gave God 90. And then he kept blessing them. And he gave God 90 and kept 10. And they got richer and richer and richer. And many of them didn't even leave their money to their children. Oh, they blessed them. But they gave that money to things that furthered the work of God. So let's not get caught up in that. Let's not look at these people and the way they live and think, They've got it, or that they're all that. Believe me, they're not. Malachi 3.15, So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. But do they go free? They're going to have to stand before him someday. There's some people I'd like to see again and look them square in the eye and say it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Daniel talked about this, but he talked about it in a different way. He talked about it from the perspective of a coming kingdom in Daniel 8, verses 9 through 12. And this lines up. Listen to what he says. Then from one of the prominent horns came a small horn whose power grew very great. It extended toward the south and the east and toward the glorious land of Israel. His power reached to the heavens where it attacked the heavenly army, throwing some of the heavenly beings and some of the stars to the ground and trampling them. It even challenged the commander of heaven's army by canceling the daily sacrifices offered to him and by destroying his temple. The army of heaven was restrained from responding to this rebellion. So the daily sacrifice was halted and the truth was overthrown. And the horn succeeded in everything that it did. Daniel's prophesying the little horn is the Antichrist, who will be the human house of the spirit of Satan. He will cast truth down to the ground, and he will prosper in all of his plans for a time. We're seeing a foreshadowing of that in America. We're seeing things in America that should scare every Bible believer. Because if things keep going the way they are, that spirit could be right around the corner. I read some famous teacher, oh, stop looking for the Antichrist. He's not near. Uh, uh, No, sorry, click. 
you're gone. All the signs are there. The spirit is there. The people are acting like he's there. Because he's been given divine permission to do what he's doing. And he will prosper in it. There will only be so long that we can hold him back. There will only be so long before this battle begins to rage in two realms, the natural and the supernatural, in a way that we haven't seen since the days of Noah. And so many of you and so many of your friends and family are not prepared, even though I've been trying to teach you and prepare you for 10 years, even though I've prophesied and I've shared dreams and vision, even though every Sunday night we talked about it or at the seminars or showed you what was going on out there when SRT did stuff. So many are unprepared. You're being told, lock and load, buy guns, do this and do that. If you've never been in a firefight, which I've never been, I've had guns pulled on me, I've had knives pulled on me, I've been stabbed. If you've never been in that scenario, you have no idea how you're going to react. And I would suspect the majority of the church is not prepared for either the natural or the supernatural war we are about to face. But I'll do my best to share it with you. I'll do my best to encourage you and get you ready. But for once, we have got to understand where we are in the prophetic timeline. Right now, Proverbs fifteen sixteen really applies. Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. John, in, in Third John, verse 2 of chapter 1, there's only one chapter, said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And he was writing to a friend of his who was sick. So before you misquote this scripture about prosperity, and listen to these false teachers, these prosperity gospel teachers, they're false teachers. What he's saying is, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Well, if your soul is not where it needs to be, if your soul is not prospering, neither will your body, and then your life won't represent that. But that was the desire of Paul and John and and Peter and uh, James and all the writers of the the epistles. They wanted to get people ready. They knew they were going through trials and tribulations. They were trying to encourage them. Second Corinthians thirteen and eleven. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Peace comes from God. It doesn't come from what you own. It doesn't come from your bank account. Although I will tell you, I've, I've reminded him that it's better to be peaceful and able to pay your bills and do what needs to be done than not. But the truth is, his peace has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with this world because it comes from him. And nothing serves to test edify and, and proclaim the faith of the righteous, as does adversity. Some of you are going through it right now. Some of you experienced it this week. You went through things you never thought you'd go through before, but you're in a fallen world. Why are you surprised? And I'm not saying that to judge you or in condemnation. 
It's like you tell the child, don't put your hand on that, it's hot. Oh, I got burned. Why'd you put your hand on it? I told you it was hot. Don't go there. This is what could happen, and then they do it anyway. We are creatures. We learn by experiences. Some people, it takes a little longer to learn. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. God is the friend of the righteous. He has not forgotten them. He does not abandon them. He's not indifferent to them. And he's not the friend of the wicked. And he's not in favor of the administration of his government done in wickedness. Judgment will come. Every hidden thing will be revealed. People will be exposed. And judgment, by the way, begins at the house of the Lord. So while you're praying for judgment and exposure and all those other things, what you're saying is, God, start at your church first, then do the world. God is a friend of the righteous. And it's easy for the world, what we see, to confuse us. Go with me to Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled, my steps have nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They they have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here, and waters of full cups are drained by them, and they say, How does God know if there is knowledge in the Most High? Oh, he knows. He knows. He sees everything. The other day, Larry and I were praying about some of this stuff. And they said, Lord, what do you want us to do with it? And he very quickly, almost very sternly said, leave it alone. I'm doing something. So we stopped. We didn't interfere. Their destruction will come. If you're dealing with thoughts like Jeremiah had, Thoughts like I've had, their destruction will come. Count on that. See, further on in Psalm 73, verses 12, 16, 17, and 19, I tied them together in one thought. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought down to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. There are people then and there are people now who are abundantly wicked, who are perverse. All the people that are hopefully about to be exposed with this Epstein Island situation. The wealthy and the powerful have a way of hiding. I'm praying every hidden thing be revealed no matter who it is. 
But they've been permitted to live in peace. They've permitted to keep their prosperity and act like they're the favorites of the world, but they're not the favorites of heaven. No, they're not. They're not tranquil. They're afraid. They live in fear. They live in anger. They live in in defense, surrounded by security, surrounded by bodyguards. I know I was paid to be one of them. Their time will come. But the psalmist of Psalm 73 was trying to use his own power to reason. The subject was above his pay grade. It was above his reach. The only solution was to draw near to God himself. And he discovered something that he already knew, but maybe forgot it, maybe stopped considering it. The prosperity of the wicked will not last, and their wealth has no value in the next life. Their wealth has no eternal value. Their destruction will be swift and unexpected. And we, as believers and walking in the kingdom, we must understand his truth. We're walking in a fallen world, and we can't be swayed by what we see. And I like Romans sixteen twenty, and I'll explain why. It says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, be with you. Amen. Shortly, there is a predetermined time for his demise. I love to remind the kingdom of darkness of that. A, I remind them of their defeat on Calvary. I remind them whose spirit's inside of me. And I remind them how it ends. We know how it ends. But you know what? Your Heavenly Father is gracious, and He will allow you to plead your case before Him and even debate with Him. Isaiah one eighteen, He says, Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, They shall be white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But here's the scripture, and it's taken me 45 minutes to get to it, that did all this. Jeremiah 12, 5. He finally deals with Jeremiah's impatience, and this is what the Lord says. He rebukes Jeremiah, saying, If you have raced with the men on foot, and they have tired you out, then how will you compete with the horses? And if you take flight in a land of peace where you feel secure, what will you do when you tread the tangled maze of the jungle haunted by lions in the swelling and the flooding of the Jordan? So what he's saying is if you if you can't handle with the footmen, the foot soldiers or the infantry, how are you going to handle the chariots? That, that word, uh, the men on foot, the footmen, they are... It's it's a military term. It's to, to distinguish between soldiers who march and fight on their feet and soldiers who ride on horseback and in chariot who are much more dangerous and destructive. Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8 reminds us some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. The Lord was telling Jeremiah, suck it up, because there are still greater trials of faith in store for you. Prosperous wickedness and seeing it is an ordinary trial in a fallen world. It's a mere running with the footmen. And we have got to exert 
exert far greater powers of endurance. If, if, we, if we fall under the small difficulties, if we are swayed by the little things like that, how will you endure the greater ones? And the pride of the Jordan that he's talking about are the, the luxuriant thickets along the banks where the lions would hide and then pounce on people. And the overflowing of the Jordan usually happened in harvest. And what happened was the, the, it would drive the lions and the other beasts of prey from their covering among the bushes that lined the bank. And then they would spread throughout the countryside, wrecking havoc, slaying men, carrying off a cattle. You know what that said to me as I read it? When the church begins to prosper, the enemy turns the lions loose. If we can't handle the little stuff, how do we handle the big stuff? Despise not the day of small beginnings. If he can't trust you with the little things, how can he trust you with the big things? And you know, you know what lulls us into complacency? We have long stretches of uneventful days, nothing going wrong. And then without warning, a crisis springs upon you. Cars roll up in front of your house. People want to kill your child. They have ammo. Suddenly now, you, you, whether you grab a gun or do whatever, you're really outmanned, outgunned. You need to trust in the Lord. You need to know who your father is. You need to know how to pray. You need to hear that still voice that says, don't open the door. Don't go out there. Don't engage. We've all had it happen. And at any moment, we could be confronted with some hard thing which is going to take all of our spiritual energy, all of our mental energy. In a moment, we can be plunged into a calamity which could change the course of our lives for years, maybe a decade or so. We need to know where to find peace. We need to know how to find him in the storm. See, that's what Jeremiah is struggling with. But he's only dealing with on the local stage in his own hometown. He's about to be thrown onto a larger stage, a national stage, and, be, and of course, a larger enemy. He's dealing with people, conflicts that are affecting his family and his friends. But they're about to get bigger. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, sons and daughters of the living God. We've lived a comfortable life here in America. We've never experienced what our brothers and sisters in the world have experienced. We've not seen, we've not heard, we've not had to deal with demonic onslaught like they have. I prophesied about this in 2011 at that first sea conference in Groton, Connecticut. I said Blitzkrieg was coming. That's what the Lord told me explain what Blitzkrieg was. I'm going to do a teaching on it. Maybe I'll just do a, a Overwatch podcast on it, pull back that clip, play it for you to remind you. I said it in 2011. The Lord spoke to me last week. He said, Blitzkrieg is here. Blitzkrieg was a Nazi technique where they took waves of their armies and they rolled right over the tops of other armies and destroyed them. But there was a fatal flaw in Blitzkrieg that the time between wave one and wave two allowed a resistance army, the resistance fighters, to get in between and to shoot in both directions and disrupt it and stall it 
long enough for the Allies to get into the war. Folks, we're the remnant. We're the resistant army. And I totally, totally believe that we're the ones that are going to stall things long enough for the Lord to get the church out of here and then let the world have its way, let the enemy have its way with the world. So we're the remnant. We're the ones who rise up. We're the ones who don't get rolled over the top. But don't let it scare you because it's happening. Cities are being changed in a moment. Governments are being changed. People are being changed. Lives are being destroyed. And everybody's upset. And they're looking to man for their help. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this isn't a part of my teaching. And this may be where it ends because I see how close we are to the end. And I don't want to rush the last two or three pages here. Too much good information that the Lord gave me. But I had a feeling this might happen. Just didn't know when. Some men trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They've bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. David understood that when he ran at Goliath. You come against me with javelin and spear, and I come against you in the name of the living God, the name of the God of Israel. And I believe supernatural power flooded through him. He put the rock in the sling on a full run, not like in the movies where he stops, gets the rock out, puts it in the sling, starts swinging, plink. No, no, David was on a full run, the word says. He grabbed that rock, put it in the sling, and hit Goliath on a full run run with total laser-like accuracy, and he hit him just below that helmet right above the bridge of his nose and pushed the skull bone and the nose bone back into his brain and stunned him long enough to take Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. Don't let what you're seeing in the world bother you. Don't let people bother you. Don't let their apparent prosperity bother you because we battle not with flesh and blood but with powers and principalities. Let me read you the Amplified. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world's rulers of the present darkness, of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural fear. Our battle is with the supernatural sphere of influence, using things and people in the natural world. I think that's where we'll pick it up for the next time. That's what our battle is with. We live in a fallen world. You want to live the kingdom life? You want the blessings of the kingdom life? Well, you can't be like Jeremiah. You can't let what you see bother you. Now, Jeremiah went on and, and you know, he, he did encourage them and, and he turned it all around and he was able to say to them, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor and the needy from the hands of evildoers. Jeremiah twenty thirteen. he got it. He understood it. He kept going. He kept prophesying. Jerusalem destroyed. He kept prophesying. He kept going. Temple destroyed. People taken captive into Babylon. But he knew their hope was in the Lord. He knew that they were battling with things that had been talked about since Daniel, since Enoch, since Genesis 6, since the garden. 
So when you look at the world and you look what's being said and you look what's happening, don't get angry. Don't get agitated. It's really easy to do, especially those of us that are warriors. We see injustice and we want to fight. We want to run. We want to engage. But we answer to a different captain. We answer to a different leader. Don't. Don't let what you're doing right now, running with the footman, overcome you because the chariots are coming. Father, I come to you in the name of your Son. Our hope's not in men, not in horses, not in chariots. It's in you. And I ask right now, first of all, I don't don't know where the remnant is anymore, Lord. I thought I did. I ask that you wake them up that you wake up the warriors, to wake up the people that want to run alongside. Maybe they want to support. Maybe they want to get behind. I don't know. Larry and I, and we pray every day, turn us loose, Lord. This is what you created SRT for. This is the moment in history that we were ordained for, and we know that there are others out there. Let's go find them. Let's band together. Let's train them. Let's set the captives free. Let's destroy the work of the enemy. Let's pull down powers and principalities and strongholds. Let's shut down portals and open windows from which the enemy has easily come and go. Let's put them so on the run and so frustrated that they'll have to try to catch up with the army that's destroying them. Your army. Bless us, Lord, heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Bless us in our provisions to do what we're called to do. Father, right now I speak to your sons and your daughters that have gone through some really, really hard times, some really tough battles. And maybe they don't see you in it. Maybe they don't feel you in it, but we know that you're there. Your word says so. Holy Spirit, I ask that you gently move anything out of the way that's keeping them from seeing the Father's love from seeing how he's been involved with them all along. I pray that they would repent where repent is needed. I pray that they would turn and go in a different direction if they're going the wrong way. I pray that doors that have been opened to them that weren't you were slammed shut. I pray the doors that were you that never opened to fly open by the wind of the Spirit. This is the time, Lord. This is the time for your children to rise up. This is your, their time to shine, to arise and shine. This is their time to be a come, become part of the solution and not be a part of the problem. We're not going to be dismayed. We're not going to be dissuaded. We're not going to be frustrated by what we see in here. We're going to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on you. I pray for the families, the husbands, the wives, the sons, the daughters. First of all, I pray that the husband and wife would become one under you and with you. I pray that you'd heal what needs to be healed and remove what needs to be removed, restore what needs to be restored. I pray that the sons and the daughters be restored to their parents, to their families, to their loved ones. And all of our loved ones, Lord, there are people like me out there that have a calling, that have the potential for greatness in the kingdom of God. Send angels, send people to find them. Send us, we'll go find them. We'll tell them a testimony, we'll set them free. Now, Lord, bless us. 
Bless everything we've said and did tonight. And Lord, glorify yourself in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive-up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Dot com.